Virginia.com, podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 9th, and we are recording episode 326, brought to you all season long by the good folks of Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, for more information and full disclosures. Uh, Virginia has a game this week, which is a good sign. Um, Cavaliers did not have one last week, which, as someone who runs a website that kind of likes you know, games and content. Um, I'm very glad that the um, bye week has passed, but we will talk about um, Bronco Mendenhall coming out uh, Monday and talking about the um, the depth chart and sort of injury situation, and we'll, then we'll we'll get to previewing uh, Miami thereafter. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fisherville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, bye week has treated me well. I think my injuries are recovered from my <laughs> stomach injuries from the terrible food in South in Indiana. Wow. Um, good to go. Who days on the board at who days on Twitter. And Justin up, can tell you all about that food. Ooh, and I don't think I want him to And up in the rest in the aforementioned Justin Ferber also on this year program. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't just the food. I know we covered Indiana last week, but great customer service at the at the local liquor, liquor stores. Um, I can't repeat what he said, but, uh, let's just say that, uh, it wasn't the friendliest customer service I've ever received in my life for, uh, buying some white claws. And I, I learned my lesson, uh, at Justin underscore for on Twitter and Cavs and hopefully that guy can't find me there. <laughs> Cavs corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so Bronco comes out Monday. I, I guess I wasn't expecting, you know, wholesale changes on the offensive line I wasn't expecting you know a lot of shaking up there was a little bit more status quo maybe than I was expecting though and I'm curious to get where you guys came on on this like maybe that was just my my bad for for thinking they would you know self-scout and have some some tweaks but it didn't sound like from talking to Bronco and looking at the depth chart that there's a whole lot that is going to be different. Do we think that that's the way it is, Dave, or do you think that's a little bit of, you know, there is some, there is some changes. There are changes that we, 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 we will see on Friday night, but they just didn't want to talk about them. Where did you come down on that? I would probably lean towards the latter. Cause I mean, we've, we've seen a different starting five that was on the depth chart game one. Right. So uh, there's a couple of small tweaks on it, but, I know he didn't talk. He didn't talk specific position changes, but certainly it was a point of emphasis in his talk. And then, um, and then, in uh, Dr. Bob's conversation today, um, he mentioned communication and accountability. So I'd be shocked if it's the same starting five we've seen. I think you'll see a little bit of a shakeup. But but then again, I'm hard pressed to pinpoint what you would change, Um, and especially given. You know the guys weren't super healthy going into the bye week, so maybe they've got healthier. I I hope there's a change, but I don't know if making a change just for change's sake is what you need. If if you can fix some issues with the guys you have, because look, it's not like you're sitting, you know, it's not like you got Becton sitting in the on the bench. You haven't been playing, so we'll see. I mean, whether schematic changes or or just letting the five guys play together more to get more comfortable. There's a lot of things they can do. I expect something. It, I need something. <laughs> That's what that was. <laughs> Please Title. give me something. Give me something. I need Love something. Jesus. There you go. Uh, Ferber, what do you think? Do you do you agree? Yeah. I mean. He said yeah. 
you know, maybe maybe they jogged up to Gettysburg and, you know, they oh. said, you know, if we can't come together here on this hallowed ground, uh, hallowed ground, whatever it is, hallowed. Uh, you know, we will perish as individuals or whatever. Or maybe I'm mixing that up with the Gettysburg Address. I don't remember. Um, I know it sounded very lostish to me. We live together, die alone. But anyway, continue. yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully it wasn't that. Uh, I don't know. It's a little bit more pragmatic than that um, on the offensive line. I, yeah, I, I I honestly don't think we're going to see like a bunch of new guys. I kind of think that Anai's comments today about having some time to get guys a little healthier, I thought that was kind of revealing as far as, you know, maybe what they felt like some of the problems were there. Uh, almost like, you know, now that one or two of the guys were banged up, they feel a little better. Maybe that'll be what they need. I think the oars on the depth chart show you, though, that that they're not satisfied with where they are, and then they're willing to to look at making changes. I just don't know if this is the game where you want to come out and, and put a bunch of guys in that really haven't played in games. Um, I think what you could see, though, is more of a set five and less rotation position by position. Um, looking at the pro football focus numbers last week, it was – it seemed like it, it wasn't as much rotation as I had originally thought. I mean, there was a guy that played most of the snaps at each of the positions. Um, the tackle spots, it seems like you have three guys kind of rotating around. Um, so I think what, what you'll see instead of a bunch of new faces is more, um, I don't know, consistency and stability as far as who is playing where and, and all of that. That's the thing I, I think I'm looking for. Um, I understand on like a – on, on a number of levels, why they were rotating guys and, and, and sort of what they were trying to do. Um, I think the unknown here is how much of the rotation at tackle was because guys are banged up, right? So you've got Haskins and, and Rankinsmeyer and, and Swoboda. Rankinsmeyer is really only at tackle because it's, it, you know, it sounds like at least that his his injury is such that they probably don't feel as comfortable with him at guard where he would probably be doing more moving, right? Pulling and that kind of thing. And if he's a, if if he's if he's able to to take some time off and, you know, um Nelson apparently was banged up too, if they're if they're better, okay, what does that mean for you? But I I think for me it's like just just pick five dudes and let them get some experience playing next to the guys they play next to. I asked Soboda Monday, like, is it is it weird? Like and he was and he's he's he says no, but then he describes things that just sound odd, right? He's like, Well, you've got when you're on the left side, you gotta remember you're on the left side and you've gotta remember this, this, and this, and then you know, it just seems like what you really want is them to not have to think. And I wonder how much of what we've seen so far is because guys have banged up and also too because there's just been you know, the competition has been positive in some ways, but negative in others. And I feel like maybe that it, it, the best thing I think I could could happen is just by series three or four, it's the same five dudes and they're all playing the same spot and there's not a whole lot of moving and shaking. Um, but I also think, too, like I would like to see um, whoever the H back is, whether it's Kemp or Kelly, like to see them more involved. Um, there's just there's just there's just a, not a lot of. um there's not a lot that makes sense to me in terms of how they've used them or I guess how they haven't used them. And I wonder where that's coming from. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we'll see some stuff too. Like, I mean, when they go back and watch the Notre Dame film and when, when they went five wide and left, you know, five offensive linemen getting abused and then Perkins taking the abuse at, at the end of the play, I think you'll see 
you'll see more big sets this week, um, trying to stay ahead of the chain so that you have got the threat of a run, you know, tight ends and big backs whenever you can. Like, I don't think you'll see as much five wide, especially early on until they see how this, see how the five they put out on the offensive line are, are how they're performing against Miami, a team, you know, you have to think that when teams go back and watch what Notre Dame did, a team like Miami, who's got a lot of talent in their front seven, is going to say, hey, let's try to get a pass rush with four like Notre Dame did and just drop seven. Then we, we can keep an eye on Perkins and we can take away their short stuff because not a whole lot of teams are worried about our us taking the top off. So I think the offensive line has at least got to show they can block block the four down linemen. Whether that's with the tight end and you're giving up a, you know, you're you're putting a guy in double coverage. I think you've got to do it because if you don't, it's gonna. Perkins can't get hit like he did against Notre Dame and be healthy the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's there, the simple explanation seems to be, um, don't do that. Don't don't give up another option on the field, and just move the pocket right. Um, now again, guys banged up, moving around. I get that, um, but if, I I wonder though if the extra time just in terms of communication, um, won't help some. Ferber, as you look at um, the injury situation, so they lose Tyler Fanning, they lose Rob Snyder, they lose Haskins Smith. No official announcement on Brendan Armstrong, which I, I, I'm, I'm assuming is a good thing because if you thought he wasn't going to be back for the season, you, you obviously would have said something um, when you're announcing other guys are out. What, what sort of impact do you think those injuries have on them? If, if at all. Yeah. I mean, honestly, no offense to any of those players, but um, these are the types of injuries that every team suffers throughout the season, right? I mean, football is a game that always has a lot of injuries. You're going to lose a couple guys. What you really hope you don't lose is, you know, your starting quarterback and then, you know, the other two or three guys on your team that you can't be without. And I'm not saying that those these guys aren't important. I mean, especially Snyder. He's, uh, I would say, a co-starter. Um with with Zane Zandier, so I mean that is a loss from a depth perspective. But um, as far as and Fannin, obviously, like he wasn't a starter, but you know, Olu Aluatimi has already been hurt once, um, and you know, with offensive line, I really feel like you need as many guys as you can get because you never know when somebody might not play well or or when you might need to make a change. Uh, so that's disappointing. But they do have some depth on the offensive line, and luckily. You have a guy like Dylan Rankinsmeyer who's played a lot of center, so in a pinch, you know, he could give you something. But, uh, yeah, Snyder, I mean, that's a loss that I think that we talked about a lot, you know, in the offseason. I actually think linebacker is the team's deepest and most talented position group. A lot of people think it's the defensive backfield, which is, I mean, right there with them. But I think that if there's a position group designed to take one loss, it's probably the linebacker group. You know, uh, Heskin Smith really wasn't playing very much, so I, I can't really say what impact that'll have. Uh, maybe more on special teams than defense, but obviously with Bratton already gone, it is kind of disappointing to lose another guy there. But um, at the end of the day, I think these are losses that, while significant, they, they're not ones that they can't overcome with, with other guys they have, especially guys like Nick Jackson, young players that they seem to like a lot. Um, I agree with that. I feel like Snyder is is an issue for you only if you suffer another injury, right? And and I will say he's yeah, like if Zane Zandier goes down, then it's a problem, right? And or Jordan Mack, you right? So like either both of those guys have had injury issues in the past. Um, Snyder also seemed to be the guy that they would, you know, they were they had a nice rotation working, so I know that that's going to have an impact, right? Like 
that guys were a little bit fresher later in games. Also, he he was a he is a put his face in the fan kind of linebacker. Like he will just um, he will come in and, and help shut down the run. Um, he he is that dude. Um, but I, I feel like the Fanning thing it gives him one less option. Fanning does not have a, a great deal of experience, but at least he's a dude who has played in a, you know some games. Um, so theoretically. Even if you're not talking about just your backup center, I could see it. But I mean, look, none of them are are you know out and out starters, and I think that's you know you get to this point in the season. Uh, I'm sure the fact that we just talked about this will will mean that they're going to have you know some injuries on Friday night, and everybody's going to throw things at me. Um, before we get to Miami, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about sort of the how do I frame this? The way it seems UVA handles the buy. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the way Bronco and his staff do it. It sounds like their week-to-week self-scout, self-evaluation stuff um, helps them in a, in a variety of ways, so there's not a whole lot now in, in like a bi-week situation. But from his comments, it certainly didn't sound like there was a whole lot of uh, whole lot of re... Like, he, he, he described it as reframing, but I'm not sure if... Maybe maybe he meant that from a teaching standpoint. Were you guys, Dave? We'll start with you. Do, were you at all? I don't want to say underwhelmed, but were, did, were you expecting to hear a little bit more? Um, hey, here are some things we've looked at, and these are the things we need to fix. I mean, it was really just hey, look, the offensive line needs to be better. Um, that's kind of seemed like the, the the nuts and bolts of what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else he could have said. I mean, you, you don't want to get, you know, it's a self scout, right? You don't want to give it to the opponent if you don't have to, but. I mean, anyone who watches the team knows that, you know, the offensive line is the number one concern right now. And then off of that, like, you know, ball security, um, uh, you know, from the quarterback position. So I don't know what I he could have said to make me feel any better. Like, we, we all know after, you know, after our time with Bronco now that he, he knows what the problems are. He addresses them. And we usually see something different if we see a problem arise. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with what he said just because I've, I've got proof that they recognize the issues and they and they tend to fix them. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing big there. Ferber, <laughs> then I'll, I'll I'll tweak this question for you. Then what what do you expect Mike Collins to do in this game compared to what he has done in the past few? Do you expect him to get more carries? Do you expect it to be about what he's gotten? Do you think that there's that's just everybody focusing on something because they need something to focus on? What do you think? Well, I mean, honestly, I w- normally I, w- I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that they were going to play another running back because that's not really what they've done in the past, right? I mean, Broncos always said he gravitates towards a, a, a lead back that takes a lot of the carries. And, and even at other positions, you know, if I, I, we don't see a lot of like a guy just randomly pops up in the rotation and starts playing a lot. They seem to, you know, identify the guys they want out there and then and go to those guys. But, um, you know, he made a point of mentioning in the press conference when asked, you know, he expects to see a bigger role for, for Mike this week and forward. So unless he's lying, which I doubt, um, it seems like he will have a bigger role in this game and then going forward, but we'll have to see what that means. Um, what I could see happening is I could see him lining up in a few like packages that they have for him. And maybe honestly, like I'm not a big fan of the plays where it's very telegraphed that it's going to be a run. You could see some of those where they just work a few plays in for him, or they could just use him as a decoy and get the ball out quick to somebody else. Um, I would like to see more of him, but I don't want people to think that that's the magic pill answer to this problem. 
because honestly, like I paid a lot of attention to the running game at Notre Dame because I was trying to see, you know, what was breaking down. And I haven't watched obviously the All Twenty Two, but from my view from the press box was pretty much that. And uh, I mean, when Wayne Talapapa got the ball, he didn't have anywhere to go, right? I mean, like the holes weren't there really. Um, and he was doing as much as he could. I felt like so. I don't really think he's the problem necessarily, but I think getting a different guy in there and maybe getting a different look. Uh, and you know, maybe he sees something different with the offensive line trying to pick holes and, and whatnot. And he's got a top gear, you know, as well. So I think that, you know, we've seen him break a, a few runs against William and Mary. So I'm interested to see what will happen, but I'm cautiously optimistic on that being the solution, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way to frame it because yeah, you're right. Not like, they're not going to go to like one thing, flip one switch and be like, Oh yeah, look, the running game works now. Like that's a really good point. And I think for a lot of folks, for whatever reason, like Holland seems to be the lightning rod for that. And I, and I probably, I mean, I probably haven't helped that because I've talked about, you know, that I expected him to be the guy by like middle of this month, which means basically this game or next. Right. Um, so it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as realistic to think that he's just going to, you know, he's going to get 12 carries and run for a buck Oh five. Um, maybe he does. And that's great. But in terms of, I guess my bigger thought is I just want to see them do something. Right. Like, you know, throwing, uh, you know, taking some Tylenol when you're not feeling well is not a bad idea, even if it's not going to cure you. And, I, you know, like it wouldn't be a bad look for them to say, OK, we've got this young kid that, that we cl- like Bronco in two different times has talked about how much potential Hollins has. And he's not somebody who gushes like that unless he really thinks it. So clearly he thinks that and he's talked about how, you know, he wants to see a bigger role for him and then it doesn't really pan out. Now, part of that obviously could be that, you know, week to week, you know, he's not, he's, he's fairly, he's fairly inconsistent throughout the week. And so they don't, you know, they're not, they don't think he's ready, but it just, it's, it's, it's a good sign to me if they are, if they are coming up with, with different options, that means that they're looking at the problem in different ways as opposed to like, all right, well, what, what we just need, you know, offensive line just needs to be better. Like that's, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Like maybe guys are healthier and they make some some tweaks or they, you know, work out the communication kinks and things are better. But I just don't know if guys need to play better is a good solution for the issues we're seeing on the line. Um, Dave, I'm going to let you chime in on that before we we go to the break, because I I feel like maybe I don't have much. Yeah, I don't have much to add to it. I mean, like like Justin said, Barry Sanders needed someone to block a little bit for him. Right. Um so there's definitely that issue. And then when you talk about pass protection, it, we, we know the running back plays a crucial crucial role in pass protection. That's why we see Atkins a lot. Um, Wayne had just started getting some snaps in, in pass, obvious pass situations um, where they kept him in the block. So uh, I assume that's one of Holland's holdbacks. And then you, you heard Broncos say that, you know, they're looking at, you know, basically his workload over four years. Like they they don't want to overload him year one because it could hurt you year four when you need him. So I don't know. I mean, I, I expect to see him in the game just because Bronco brought him out. But honestly, two carries in, in a game is is a increase in the workload. That's true. That's yeah. That's what true. I'm saying. I think it it could just be something like that where he gets a couple of carries and and a few look you know ten snaps or something. Even even that it. would be a big big improvement. Exactly, and I'd be all for that because that means we're running the ball, um, and I think we need to um, as we'll get into Miami. Yeah, <laughs> let's take our break. Uh, Caps going podcast brought to you tonight. By the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String Sports has all of the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, and Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. If you play baseball, softball, soccer, or football, you can find the gear that you need at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. 
Have something from last season that you aren't using anymore? Bring it to second string and get a credit towards your next purchase. Looking to purchase a new bat but not sure which one to get? Second string will let you try the bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Second string sport also has a large selection of Wilson A2000s and A2K gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. You can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Or you can go online, check out their website, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. First string quality, first string service, Second String Sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CatsCorner.com. All right, so we all watched Virginia Tech and Miami. It played the weirdest game until Pitt Duke that I'd seen all season long. Um I, I still don't really know how Miami didn't win the game, and I'm not really sure how they ever would have won the game. And they're going to go with uh, Nikosi Perry uh, instead of Jaron Williams at quarterback. Perry, of course, lasted like 37 seconds against Virginia a year ago. Um, this is a weird, a weird setup for a game, right? Miami has a home game where they get down 28 nothing. They come back. They have two shots to tie it, and then they don't, right? And now they're going to change quarterbacks, but UVA's coming off a of bye week, and historically I'm, I'm always leery of slow, of you know, rust, right? I'm, I, I know bye weeks are good for you in a lot of ways, but I'm always worried about rust. So I want to start the discussion of this game here. It, it's weird for me to think Virginia should win this game and not be too concerned about it, and I, and I can't tell if I'm, if I'm trying to talk myself into that being th- – foolish because i'm still not ready to trust uva yet or if it's in part because of the rust thing dave as you look at this game how comfortable how confident are you and where do you see the issues for uva i mean i don't know i don't know that i'm ultra confident um and that's mainly from like it's so weird that miami virginia tech game probably skewed my thinking a little bit because if you like yeah, Miami showed more on offense late than I expected to see from them. Their defense looked worse early. Their offense led to some points. But when you look at those two teams as a whole, like they haven't beat a lot of power five teams between them the last two years. Um, we just happen to be one of them. You know, so I don't know, like, was that two bad teams playing each other? And that's kind of the way I lean. But when you look at Miami as a whole, I don't think you can deny that the the defense is is the strength of that team. And I think Perry adds another Perry's a better passer than Williams is. Um, but you don't get the sense that he's the first choice of the coaches. So um, my concern lies with just what we saw at Notre Dame. It's Miami's front seven can bring a lot of pressure, and I think their defensive line is good enough to bring pressure without blitzing. So how does Virginia handle that? Because I'm going to assume Miami is a wounded dog and, you know, there are six days rest. So they're going to come out Friday night. It's going to have a much better atmosphere than they had Saturday afternoon against tech. Uh, you know, it won't be packed, but you the think people so? there. Yeah. I don't I mean, know, buddy. It, it can't be worse. Look, I mean, hold on. Was pretty uh, bad. I don't think there's going to be very many people. Yeah. There. Let me, let me chime in here. So Gary Furman is the publisher of Kane sport and I was on his uh, podcast. We recorded this afternoon and he made a very big to do about not being sure about what Kane nation, which I, I Oh God! Everybody in the nation, but what Kane Nation would do because he's he thinks he thinks Miami fans are very down. Now, what I found interesting is that he described this game as being like the game that everybody had circled on their schedule because apparently Miami's home schedule this year is not very good. And I thought 
more than Virginia Tech. Like I would think Miami fans would hate Virginia Tech on a much different scale, but okay. But the way he described it sounded to me like he's not entirely sure that place is going to have the you know South Beach like atmosphere that you know Charles Snowden talked about in that story I wrote today. Yeah. So I'm not and sure. As you know, Brad, it's in Miami Gardens, which is barely a place because um, <laughs> you always use that in your tweets, and I'm like, that's not even a place. It's dude, um, it's a place. What do you want me to do? It is. It's a it's a place. What they, what it, my little uh, geography list? Miami Gardens is like an incorporated area where they just took like five communities and like put it into under one name. Um, cause those neighborhoods are like not great neighborhoods. So they just like packaged it as Miami gardens. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm, I, I don't really think, and it's off campus. I mean, if you've been there, it's in North Miami, like it's yeah. not anywhere near Coral Gables. Um, it's hard for students to get there. And I, the thing that makes me think it's not going to be very busy is it's like a Friday night. I just, I don't know, but it maybe yeah. we'll see. It gets loud though. I mean, it no, is a loud yeah. Like I'm, I'm not trying to imply it's going to be a Saturday night at Scott Stadium last time they were up here kind of environment, but it's going to be better than what they had for Tech because that was terrible. Um, yeah, it's a night game. Someone's going to say, "Hey, they're going to go. They're going to show up." Now, if Miami, if we punch them in the mouth Someone in the first quarter, we punch them in the mouth in the first quarter. They're going to go hang out in Miami. Um, they're not going to stick around for it. So, look, Miami's talented. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're the collective is a little bit less than the individual talent there. Um, so, and Diaz is a proud guy. Like, I think Diaz is a great defensive coordinator. Uh, so we'll see. Like, I expect him to come out. Um, so there's some worry there just because I think Miami's strength is going against what's been our weakness recently um, and vice versa. Uh, so, and we're on the road. So there's certainly, there's reason to worry. Even last year when we beat them, that was a tough physical game where we turned the ball over and only, you know, our defense turned it turned them over too. So it's not like we blew Miami out last year and shouldn't have any worry. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what Dave said there. Um, I think I, I always find it interesting, and I know that every coach is different and they they speak differently in press conferences, but. Manny Diaz was very clear this week in his press conference, or at least what I saw from it, that he's not happy with the defensive breakdowns and stuff like that. Like, he makes it seem almost like what Dave said, where it's, you know, 11 guys out there, but they're not all playing connected. And so I think that could be something where UVA might be able to exploit because they run a lot of different personnel packages and and things like that to to try to create confusion. Uh, the offense, I mean, I, I, I think Nikos, Nikosi Perry is... I think Jaron Williams is a better player in the long run, and that's why he's playing. I just think Nikosi Perry is is not a big downgrade for this game because he started a bunch of games last year, and he's talented. Uh, but but there's a reason he's not the starter, and um, you know, and 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 like Dave said, I don't think he would be starting. But Williams is hurt, and I think that was enough of a reason to to put him in. Um, yeah, I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about Tate Martell, but I think there's a reason he's the third-string quarterback as well. Um, they have skill position guys. Uh, from what I saw of that Tech game, and I'm not trying to take anything away from what Perry did when they, when he was brought in to bring him back, but it seemed to me like a lot of what they were able to do was just Tech's defense breakdowns and, and miscommunications and things like that that have been the problems that they've been having against everybody. Um, so I don't, I don't know if Miami found some sort of like new dimension of explosiveness that they hadn't been hitting before. And that's the thing with Miami is, you know, we think about teams like Miami as explosive and big plays, and they certainly did a lot of that on Saturday. But, I mean, 
they they didn't really have any big plays against UVA last year, except for the really long run that Bryce Hall ended up uh, taking Travis Homer out of bounds on, and and, and you know before this uh, uh, Virginia Tech game, I mean they barely they scored 17 points uh, to beat Central Michigan 17 to 12, and and they played Bethune Cookman who we don't really we can't really say much about that, you know they were leading the nation I believe in sacks allowed per game. Uh, going into this Virginia Tech game, I'm not exactly sure how many Virginia Tech ended up with, but they have some issues on offense that they need to work out. Yes, the talent is there. Uh, they have dangerous players at the skill positions, but um, but like with Florida State, you don't always know if they're going to gel and, and coalesce and, and be greater than the sum of the parts. So while I think there are, is plenty to be worried about in this game, with UVA coming off of a bye and and being the more cohesive team, even though they have their own issues at offensive line, um, I'm not worried about like what UVA is going to do on defense in this game. And I think from the offense's perspective, it's just going to come down to whether they can execute the one thing that they've been struggling with. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Tech had seven sacks, just so you know. Mm. Yeah, and and they're not exactly like getting after the quarterback no. this year. Right. So well, that's the thing, right? The, the, in in its most simplistic terms. This game really will come down to which offensive line is crappier, right? Like, if you think about these two offenses, Virginia has been better, but at the same time, like, both of the offensive lines have struggled. And Virginia being the team that wants to get after the quarterback, Miami having a solid front seven, it just kind of seems like whichever offensive line can play better, their team wins. Um, Granted, you know, Virginia has had moments where the offensive line has played crappy and the offense has still scored some points. Um I think the difference for me in this one um, kind of goes back. Well, it kind of goes back to something else that Furman talked about on the podcast. So he's he's kind of making the point that you know he's he's trying to ask a question to me like, well, what's what's Virginia going to do differently if it's Perry now, now that it is Perry versus Williams? And I made the point that like Bronco makes, which is like, look, ultimately the the offense is going to be the offense. The difference is it'll be catered a little bit toward the skill set of the guy who's at the at the helm, but it doesn't change. It's not like they go from you know, a spread to, to the wishbone. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's dramatically different. It's just, you know, little bits and tweaks. And he seemed to think that, like, Perry was a very different quarterback. Um, now, granted, he, I, I think part of the thing that Tech did so well was undercutting a lot of his throws and basically, you know, he, they were able to, to pick off Williams because he doesn't have his big arm. I guess then they expect Perry to push the ball down the field. But in a way, like, if they think that that offensive line is going to give him time against Virginia's havoc situation, I mean, good luck. You know what I mean? Like in a way, I'm, I'm I know Enos likes to do the, likes to go to the screen. He, he, you know, he that's a um, that's a favorite of of theirs. And I know with their skill position guys, you think like bubble screens and that kind of thing wouldn't be a bad look. But I mean, if you think that this kid's going to drop back and you know be slinging it all over the yard, I mean. I don't know what I don't know what anybody has seen from that offensive line to think that that's going to be a viable option against Virginia. Like I think about the Notre Dame comparison. I forget which one you guys just made this basically, but like that Notre Dame offense is very different, you know, compared to this Miami offense. Like, granted, those defenses in the way that they can get after the quarterback, okay, but those offenses are very different. Um, and I just feel like Virginia's defense is going to uh, be a big difference in this thing. Um, Williams versus Perry to me, is a side note. Dave, do you feel like that's a side note in this conversation? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Williams is a little bit more athletic than Perry, if not a lot more athletic. Um, and, and Perry is going to be a guy who either hands it off or throws it most of the time. 
you know, but but Perry's got more a little bit more experience. So you know, I, I don't know that it really changes what Virginia does because you know, for for Virginia, it's it's create it's create havoc, like you said. It's it's give them looks that they can't figure out at the line of scrimmage. Get pressure with get pressure in multiple ways and have the quarterback second guessing what he's seeing. And you could do that to either one of these guys. Um, if I'm Miami, you know, I try to kind of look. If I was a Miami fan, figuring out how to beat Virginia, I think the way you you've got to beat Virginia is establish a run game so that Virginia defense is good, but the Virginia defense is elite when they can get you in long, you know, long to go situations, or you are abandoning the run game where where Virginia can go two down linemen. With you know the nickel the nickel look because then they have so much versatility they can bring um, the three man down line that they need when they're trying to stop the run doesn't give you as many blitz options so if I'm a team playing Virginia that's what I'm doing you know even if it's three or four yards here and there I think you've got to establish the run to to keep to keep Bronco and you know I mean sorry keep Papinga from dialing up um, crazy looks so yeah. Ferber, in the preseason, more to add. Um, <laughs> in the preseason, uh, you had Virginia losing this game 24-21 with a 40% chance of win probability, what have you, however we rephrase that. How do you feel now and what's your what's your score prediction and your headline? Yeah, I'm actually just gonna take the two teams and flip them and, and keep them. the score. Yeah, yeah 24-21 UVA. Uh I think it's a close game. Obviously, Vegas, I think Miami's still a favorite. I've seen the advanced metrics favor Miami. I think a lot of that has to do with UVA's offense. Just just uh, the numbers are bad, and, and part of that is the number of sacks allowed. Some of it's, I think, a little misleading just based on you know opponent and things like that, and also um, just a, a lot of turnovers. And I think that they can cut down on that. I think they've had some... It seems like every time they have a bad play, it's a turnover almost. But I think that if they can if they can cut back on that, which would be key in this game, considering how how Bryce played last week or last year against Miami, um, if they can play a clean game and like Dave said, stop the run and uh, force Miami into these third and long situations and then get after the quarterback. I think that they can they can win a game. I think honestly, I, I mean, you don't want a game as ugly as the one in Charlottesville last year, but I think that's the sort of game that UVA would probably like. Um, you know, keep it low scoring. And because I think Miami's just more likely to make mistakes over the course of the game. Um, I mean, they've, they've struggled with that in, in different ways this year. Um, I think they turned the ball over like six or seven times against Virginia Tech and, and still almost won. But I think that says more about Virginia Tech, to be quite honest with you. Uh, if, if there's a headline, I don't know if we're still doing that. I'll, I'll say that UVA's defense has a nice bounce back and uh, creates a few turnovers and, and they get the win. I literally just said, what's your score prediction in your headline? It's like you guys don't even can't even hear me. I don't even yeah. we're not used to it. <laughs> we, should, <laughs> we 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 shouldn't explain that because people uh, that's too long of an explanation. All right, Dave. In the preseason, you had Virginia winning this, I believe, twenty to fourteen. Third, God, does that say thirty four percent, fifty one percent? Wow. From a far, I mean, my eyes aren't that bad, but my writing is. Uh, what's your prediction and your headline? Man, I've gone back and forth on this one like a thousand times a day. Um, Damn, dude, you need to do more other things. <laughs> no, nah, it's just look. I'll be honest. Move some I, of those have, Wilson have... Wilson gloves or whatever. Yeah, I know, right? yeah. Get, get, get some um, people in the bat, some, in that sold bat some zone. hoodies. So, sold some hoodies today. White glove for everyone. Um, the uh, the thing with me is like I, I keep having a hard time seeing Virginia winning this in a close game because I think close game when when I'm digging into Miami, watching the Florida game, watching 
the little bit of highlights I could find on Central Michigan. I see a team that like doesn't like the fight you saw in that second half against Virginia Tech surprised me because I, I didn't see that when they kind of got punched a little bit before. So yeah, I don't uh, think they're they they haven't like quit or anything. Like no, they don't they have haven't. any of that. Yeah. No, but uh, I don't know. I, this is the way I think it's going to play out. I think it's going to be a close game for early on. I think the week off helps Virginia. Um, I think Virginia's going to, you know, we're going to try to run the ball a little more. I think a week off helps Bryce get a little healthier. And look, they lost. This is a team that has big, big goals, and and they had a had a loss. Whether we think it was a loss that was expected or not, to this team it was a loss, and now it's time to focus for a big ACC run. So. I think it's going to be a close game around halftime. And I, for some reason, I just see Virginia pulling away with this one. Um, getting Miami a little one-dimensional and taking advantage of Perry with some with confusing looks. And I expect, like I said, I think if Perry makes a mistake or two, you see some packages for Tate Martell just to try to bring the new shiny object in. And I don't think that goes well for Miami from what I've seen from him. So I'll, I'll get Virginia, uh, Virginia pulling away in the second half to win this one kind of comfortably 38-21. to 21. Um, kinda, kinda yeah, comfortably. Kinda Thirty-eight twenty on the on the road. What's your headline? Uh, uh ex- explosive offense. Virginia pulls away. I don't know. I should have done for my for my headline. I was gonna do that. It was too late to make the papers because it's on eleven uh, p.m. end of game. So <laughs> smart. No Look one around you. here is reading this stuff anyway. That's right. true. Um, um, yeah, what was I gonna say? There's something else I was gonna add, but uh, never mind. Not important. Go ahead. <laughs> Not important. Go ahead. That's a good. <laughs> the title. Nationals are playing. Not important. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, actually, I'm going to write that one down. Um, all right. In the preseason, um, I had Virginia winning this uh, 28-18, 55%. I, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what Dave said. I, I do think, though, that two things. All right, one. Manny Diaz being more involved with the defense in this situation seems like a panic to me. Now, maybe, maybe – there are lots of coaches who would do that. Bronco has been very vocal about being hands off. And I mean, if he picked up the headset and, you know, basically took it back over one game, I mean, would that be panic? I don't know. But the fact that they talked about it, I don't know what to make of that. It, it strikes me as a little bit of a panic. And that group is, 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 is not bad, you know? And, and I don't know what Manny, it almost sounds like a move that he makes because he's trying to, to give off the appearance that he's doing something right. So what we just talked about that whole conversation we had about the offensive line, and how like we, you know, in the running game, like we kind of would like feel better if they told us they were doing something different. Like, I wonder if this is like Manny's way of doing that. One thing that stuck out to me talking to Furman today is like, apparently like Miami fans think that they, that, that they all bungled the whole hire and that the whole thing is, is doomed. Um, and I mean, I can't remember a time when I had a a different, a more different sort of view of a game than it seemed like on the ground in the uh, in the other city, so to speak, or the other fan base. I mean, it's just like they are incredibly down on the team. Um, I mean, it sounds like they would love a coaching change tomorrow. That basically the athletic department is um, is a bunch of nincompoops, and they and they really messed this up. Anyway. To the game on Friday, like it just—it seems like a panic to me, and I wonder. I, I agreed with Dave, like that fight that they showed in the second half against Tech, like that surprised me a little bit. But at the same time, like you know, some of the fight you see from UVA now, you know, if you if you watched them a little bit, not that long ago, is different. 
Um, I, I think that Virginia's defense is the difference in this game. I think the Cavaliers are going to be um, giving Perry problems. If you think, if you remember that that game, they got him. They got him off the sticks pretty quick. In part because they were just throwing a bunch of stuff at him that he he wasn't able to process. He's been essentially a backup quarterback since then. He has not been getting first team reps until this week. Um, I mean, I have a hard time thinking the dude's going to grow up and get it all right together right now. Um, especially because we know Virginia's going to throw a bunch of random stuff at him. Um, so yeah, skill position guys, you know, I know Miami's talented, but I, I, I like Virginia to win. I think the score I've got it. I got it. 10, 10 seems a little high to me. So I'm going to make it 28, 21. Um, I think my head Ferber kind of, kind of, uh, won the, the headline game this week, but, um, for me, it, it'll be about Bryce. Um, I think he's going to run well. I think he's going to throw it well. Um, Virginia wins the turnover margin. Um, I think, I, I don't know if it's as much a statement game as, as it should be because in part because of, you know, Miami's already at two, what are they? Two and three. Um, so it's not like they, you know, like you're not like you're going to beat a two and three team in. But I mean, look, three and zero in the ACC is is nothing to to to, to laugh at. So um, I feel like Virginia comes out of this in a really good spot, um, heading back home for Duke. Yeah, and not not to get into another five minute discussion with the Nationals about starting off, but um, <laughs> the, my, my, it's not my, about me. <laughs> no, it's my, about going and playing the, good the ball, thing boys. I to add was it's something we've talked about all there, like. Look, I think Virginia can win this game. I'll be disappointed if they don't, but it really does not change the ACC Coastal race. Um, Duke and UNC right now are the big games, right? So if Virginia, some reason, loses this game, I don't want to see, like, Twitter on, you know, depends on how they lose it, but it's not the end of the world. Um, so Sorry, I'm already, Dave, like, you're going to want to just skip Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to have to skip Twitter if they lose, aren't I? I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to add a, uh, a segment that if Virginia loses, what will Dave's text message be at midnight? Um and then I realized I got it. it doesn't affect the coastal race. This doesn't, it doesn't affect the coastal on the Duke <laughs> on the Duke. No, no, Dave would, Dave would definitely say something with much more vulgarity than that. At first, you will get there, oh, but of course you, you got to, you got to curse a little bit first. I, I can't, as soon as a bit, as soon as a whistle blows, I'm, I'm okay. It's while there's time left is when I just, I'm, I, just I just love this, this thing that you do where you come out on Twitter looking like the smart guy. who's <laughs> really good at like keeping his emotions in check. I just think it's great. Yeah. It'd be like me pretending like I don't like Apple stuff. Anyway, um, anything else for the goodie order before we wrap up this week, fellas? Go Nats. Wow. All right. That was the thing. Why would you want to put that on here now? Because now they're definitely going to lose. <laughs> Everybody's going to listen to this tomorrow and be like, these idiots are going to go watch whoa, whoa, the whoa, Nats whoa, lose. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, do, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you want to? Not me. Hey, hey don't, don't you have like a Stanley Cup t-shirt and a National Championship basketball t-shirt around you somewhere? <laughs> yeah, he makes a valid point. Haven't you although, had enough? Although, as a, as a Braves <laughs> fan. Never enough. As a Braves fan who's only rekindled his Braves fan fandom and like, and then was crushed again already. I mean, I feel his pain. I hope the Nats win. Well, that's very Braves fan of you. What? <laughs> no, I've said I feel your pain, and I and I hope you win. Thank that's, you. Wait, wait, I thought there, I thought I thought Nats fans didn't well, like Braves. Most fans. of the most of the times, Braves fans just you know jump in my mentions. They jump in your mentions. <laughs> yeah, between that and uh, Orioles fans who you know want to talk smack. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, they're gone. They're long gone. Yeah, um, we're we're long gone. <laughs> if you are someone who found the podcast through the website. Thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. Give us a rating review. always helps to get us out more in front of more people, and we very much appreciate it. 
if you are somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can check out, I did a feature uh, Monday morning on Kihei Clark, used the audio that I got the night of the uh, banner celebration. Just sort of, you know, starting to talk about hoops more. We'll probably get into that a little bit more as the, as the uh, weeks go on. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're not going to skip the season. Um, we've also got notes from Monday's press conference, uh, the 3 to one from that, uh, comments from Tony and Mamadi Diakite, Braxton Key from ACC Media Day on Tuesday. You can also check out Ferber's Five to Watch on the Hurricanes as well as my feature on Charles Snowden. Um, I think he's like the most engaging interview um, and easily one of the best quotes in my time on the beat. He's like he's like Malcolm Brogdon's younger brother. It's very interesting. Uh, if you haven't already, check out that Fanatics link. Um, anything that you purchase, whether UVA or not, if you get if you get to the Fanatics website through that link, helps to support the uh, site, so I very much appreciate that. Lastly, I want to thank uh, Thorium Wealth and... Um, Second Stream Sports for sponsoring um, the show. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information, full disclosures, and also check out secondstringsports.com, second with a two. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.